Yeah, I saw. I saw that you did. I got a notification as you were in the middle of a sentence, and I was like, "Oh, yeah." It was just like Great. quietly, like do 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 do. Please don't make any loud clicking sounds. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that was golden. I love. I it. like simplicity, and I like it to be very couples. clean. All acted very simple. The matching couples. Oh my lord, I hate the matching couples. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm attracted to normal looking women. Right, but that's not accurate. You have weird tastes. Those are all things that most of us could really improve on. It's gonna, it's gonna vary wildly, if anyone listens at all. That's what I call interesting. No real substance? That's super interesting. Fascinating, almost. Welcome to While We're on the Subject, where we talk about what we talk about. Now here's the show. Hi, Mike. Hey, John. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, can't complain at all. So what have you been up to, then? Let's see, what are, what have I been doing? Um, nothing. I have not actually been doing much of anything. Well, that sounds interesting. I, yes, well, it's not interesting. But I recently got, like, a tooth infection, which has pretty much just, like, ruined me. It's garbage. Yeah, it's super garbage. It's like the worst feeling in the world. I literally, it feels like someone's taking like a, like a hot iron to my face just over and over and over again. That sounds horrible. Dental hygiene, everyone. Yeah, that is. Yes. <laughs> yes. The, the importance of dental hygiene right there. Yeah. If you, if you don't know, now you know. Yeah, seriously. But, but yeah, so it's kind of like knocked me out of commission okay. and... I have been feeling better the last couple of days, so I have started like working out again. But okay. other than that, I'm I'm I've not been reading or doing anything of of, of real value. I'm glad to hear your workout is yeah. continuing. So are are yes. you feeling a lot stronger and more fit now that you've been working out for what three or four weeks now? Yeah, it's crazy. <sighs> Although I did plateau, I'm at I'm stuck at forty push-ups a day. And about eighty sit-ups. That's still good. Yeah, that's less quality. Yeah, but man. I'm gonna. Yeah, I know, but I'm gonna have to ramp it up soon. I'm still hovering around zero. Oh well, that's that's also impressive. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm leveled out. I'm not getting any worse. I mean, you might be getting worse. Yeah, it's possible. You know what they say: if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I walk a lot, so I'll get I'll, I'll well, use my legs. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, what about you? What have you been up to? I have exciting news. Well, it's not that exciting for everybody else, but it's really exciting for me. I got a new phone. Oh, my God. Yeah. You are a person who loves talking about getting new phones. You know, it was exciting for me, okay? I don't get phones very I, often. I know. I don't mean to judge you. Like, okay, so I, you and I both were against smartphones, well, and touchscreens in particular for a long time, right? Yes. Like, I know you were more against smartphones. I was more against touchscreens because I thought touchscreens would break instantly and just be terrible. And I held on to this until, I don't know, a few years ago, really. Like, until maybe four years ago. When you got one and you realized how amazing it was. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. But now my entire life runs through my smartphone, and it's extraordinarily useful for, I mean, obviously it's useful, but like it's necessary for me to do just about anything. You know what I mean? Like I use it to consume all my news, all my information. I use it to study. I use it to do everything, to manage and track my time, to do everything. And so, uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm excited. I got a Xiaomi Note 4 
It's a Xiaomi Redmi Note 4. It's really nice. And it was really cheap, about $150. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So it was even cheaper John than my last phone, deals. which was $200. Yeah, no, it's really exciting, and it's really good, and it's got a great battery that lasts forever, it seems like, more That's than a day, which is nice. Awesome, because yeah. my phone, I still have my Galaxy S5 from whenever I bought it. Mm-hmm. And the battery just started, like, draining. I had to buy, like, a super battery for it. It's, like, twice as thick as the original battery. That's horrible. And it lasts way longer now. That's nice. But it's just, like, it sucks that I had to spend 50 bucks on a new battery. Well, yeah, cause, because that's what I've had since I went to Korea, right? I had this Galaxy S5, which has been terrible recently because it just it doesn't seem to function anymore for some reason. And also the battery just is terrible. Like, the battery now will die in a matter of, like, a couple hours. Um, and so instead of buying a new battery for, like, 60 bucks, I just bought a new phone for 150 And it's much better. And it has better screen, better battery, better everything, better Wi-Fi. Yeah, so I'm really happy about that. Also, I finished the book I was reading, Second Machine Age, which was good. Um, nice to close that out. I'm about to finish the other book, The House of Morgan, that I'm reading. And that's good because I don't want to take any paper books with me when I leave the country. So I'm excited about that. I've started the long, arduous process of trying to change my money. So I'm living in China. I'm leaving China uh, next month um, in a few weeks. Exciting stuff. Yeah, it is. It's I'm eager. <laughs> I'm eager to go. But the government here never makes anything easy. So uh, I have to change my money. But because I'm a foreigner, they only let me change $500 into dollars every day. So I have to go to the bank literally every day and change $500 and then, yeah, so that's that's my life right now. But I've started the process, so now I've changed, you know, a few thousand dollars, and I'll have all of my money into dollars and out of Chinese currency very soon. Okay, so I have to ask. Mm. You can't just transfer your money to a different bank account? No, no, because there are a lot of restrictions, right? So I there are restrictions on sending the money overseas, there are restrictions uh-huh. on transferring the money from dollars into renminbi or renminbi into dollars. There are lots and lots of restrictions. So basically, if I wanted to transfer it overseas, I could, but I would only be able to transfer small amounts. And my bank in America and my bank here in China would charge me, you know, a hefty percentage along with a flat fee. And since I can only transfer $500 at a time, I would have to do that 20, 30 times. And my bank in the U.S., Shout out to U.S. Bank, the worst bank there is. Um, charges me like $40 or something whenever it gets a foreign transaction. So whenever I put in, whenever I transfer money from abroad to that bank, it charges me like $40. So if I'm transferring $500, I have to pay like 3% to transfer the money. And I have to pay $40 flat fee to my bank back home. I end up only getting just over $400 each time I transfer, which is, you know horrible right not worth it yeah so i just you know change it to dollars here and i'm going to take it with me in a duffel bag <laughs> or something yeah <laughs> i i hope not yeah well i'm not that... gonna have enough for a duffel bag you know right and just... that'd be awesome if i could take it in a duffel bag and i had like a full duffel bag like so much money yeah that that would be impressive yeah right I'd also be... suspicious you'd probably get you'd probably get stopped yeah that's true that's true but i'm not bringing that much yeah, like, oh, so yeah it's not not a big deal. You have to stay under the ten thousand dollar limit. You know, that's that's probably a good call. That yeah, it is. It's very important. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much all. You know, I've been 
trying to go through my stuff, figure it out. I'm supposed to mail my stuff uh, on to my next destination shortly in the next week or so. And, and where are you through. going? I'm going to Ireland after this. Yeah, moving on, moving up, moving on out to Ireland. So moving on, moving yeah, up. a few months traveling, then on to on to the Irish, on yeah. to Ireland. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Uh, but yeah, so just tons of things having to go on in my life, which is frustrating. It's overly busy. I'm overly busy. It's distracting me from all of the things I want to be doing. You know, I mean, I want to be doing this, but like distracting me from right. productive things that I would otherwise be doing. So yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, moving is never easy for anybody. True, true. Yeah, it's not it's not the most fun in the world, but it is. It, it's always exciting, you know. You get that change. Hard to say no to that. Yeah, very true. All right, you want to get into the main thing of today? Yeah. Yeah, let's get into the main thing, ladies and gentlemen. The main thing. The main thing. That's that's yeah. That's the. Incredibly creative title that we've chosen. So the main topic today, I wanted to talk about. I really wanted to talk about time tracking because time tracking has radically changed, or not really radically changed, but has substantially changed my life over the last two months or so. And so, yeah, I'm just really, really excited about it. So why? Why? Tell us. (laughs) Okay. So uh, yeah, essentially, so the way I've been time tracking, which is probably going to sound a tiny bit extreme to everyone listening, is I quite literally track 24 hours a day of my time and how I spend my time. Seems excessive. Every day, yeah. It, it you know, and I, I could see why it would seem excessive at first glance, but when I describe my whole path to getting to this point, it will make more sense, I think. Like, it, it, it really is a logical conclusion to a long, long path of trying to figure out how to manage my life, Right. So, you know, and we've talked about many times before, that back in 2014, I changed the the whole trajectory of my life completely. And you, as we've said before, were there when I first started going to cafes to read, right? And spent a lot of time Oh, yes, I do. I I do remember that. That was a substantial change. I basically stopped socializing with people. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing anything. And I just spent all my time, or a large chunk of my time, reading magazines, reading books, reading all sorts of stuff, because I wanted to, I decided I wanted to make my life better. I wanted to be a better person. So reading makes you a better person. That's a, that is a fact. That is an absolute fact. So at first, you know, the most fundamental thing is to say, oh, well, I'm wasting a lot of my time or I'm not doing things very effectively. Let's just start doing something that's useful, right? So the first step was, you know, exactly that. I'm going to start reading. I'm going to start doing something that's useful. But you very quickly run into the issue of you have to decide what is useful and you have to decide what is most useful, right? And how you want to distribute your time between different useful things. And as you start to take on more and more things, more and more tasks, more and more projects, it becomes more difficult to manage, right? So the first step was just, oh, I want to do things that are not a waste of time, do things that are productive. I want to not play video games as much. I want to not, you know, drink and sleep in as much but after a little while that stops benefiting you right you can waste a whole lot of time reading esoteric books about information that's not useful and not interesting and while you could say that's better than watching you know mtv or you know watching power rangers or something like that right like that it's more useful than some things power rangers is definitely useless yes but i still love it (laughs) sorry i don't i just felt the need to defend it 
<laughs> okay. Go on. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, everyone has their childhood loves. But essentially, it was like, once you start, once you eliminate all of the low-hanging fruit, right, you take out all of the easy stuff, and you stop just wasting huge amounts of time, then it becomes much more difficult to improve. And you have to actually think about what you want to be accomplishing and try to set goals, right? Right. Because the first thing and the hardest thing is to just start moving. But once you start moving, you have to figure out what direction do I want to be going? How do I want to do this, right? Do I really want right. to be reading a book about 14th century German philosophy? Well, probably not. That's a bit, it's a bit much for me. Right. And so back then, I, I was set, trying to set broad kind of goals, I guess. So I read, you know, instead of reading Kierkegaard, you know, instead of reading, a, like, not necessarily even obscure philosophers, but very specific topics, I read the history of Western philosophy, right? And I tried to be like, this is more generally useful. It gives me better context for all of this philosophy, all of these philosophers, because I don't have the time or energy delve into such depth about each individual idea. So that that's a decision that I'm making. But that is general directional decision. But when you look at your day and you say, well, how am I spending my time? Well, this is not as useful as this, so I'll do this. Okay, that's fine. But how do you actually track and manage whether or not you're doing something better? In most circumstances, you have, you're working with somebody, or you have a boss, or you have a coach, or you have something, and that person will provide you feedback and say, you need to change. And this is how you need to change. You suck at this. Change this. You can improve in this. You're doing really well here. Do more of that. Okay. But when you're doing it by yourself, you lack all of that feedback. So you need to figure out methods by which you can create and derive automated feedback for yourself. And then you can look at that feedback and decide whether or not what you're trying to do is being successful or if you need to change what you're doing. And that was extraordinarily difficult for me. And I struggled with this for multiple years because I had ext just extremely primitive methods for trying to actually track what I was doing and see whether or not what I was doing was being effective or moving me in the right okay. direction, right? So what were the failed methods? What were you doing that wasn't working? Yeah, so the first, the first method was I just wanted to build habits, right? So I decided... I'm going to build habits, my habits I'm going to do every day. So I had this list. At first, it was like 10 things that I wanted to do every day, right? Mm -hmm. It varied between I wanted to read at least an hour every day. I wanted to walk at least an hour every day. I wanted to eat only healthy food in a given day. And I wanted to get each of these habits up to like 85%, right? So in a given month, I wanted to do them 85% of the days. And this worked all right at first because... You know, these were essential things that I wanted to do every day. And I could track whether or not I did them every day. And I could see, you know, if I did them every day, what results they had. Okay? So that was okay. But once this got more complex and I started to take on more things, as I said, I went from having 10 or 12 things to 30 things. And 30, 30 habits that you're trying to do every day is extremely difficult to manage. Even if right. they're things that only take 10 or 15 minutes, finding time and organizing that is really difficult. And when you actually start looking at the things that I had in my list of 30 things that I wanted to do as habits, these are all things that I wanted to do regularly, but they're not all things that I needed to do every day. Some of the mm -hmm. things I needed to do maybe twice a week or three times a week. But it's then difficult with this habit where you check every night, well, what of these things did I do? Well, how do I differentiate between things that I want to do every day versus things that I want to do three times a week? Do I have to schedule them? So I went through this process of I tried to schedule everything. 
So I would be like, I'll do this at this time, I'll do this at this time, I'll do this on this day, I'll do this on this day. But that gets very rigid, and when you live a life that's as much in flux as my life is most of the time, that's not really possible to manage, because you cannot schedule every minute of every day. It takes too much time, too much energy, and it's too inflexible. You have to be able to change things on the fly if something important changes. Right. So that crumbled. And so then I tried to change it. I, I had a spreadsheet, and I wanted to say, okay, well, how many times did I do this thing in a month? Right? How much time did I spend on it in a month? Well, then I put in manually, oh, I did this once. I did this twice. And each day I would go at the end, and I would change the number. If I did it that day, I would increase it. Right? So I would say, right. well, for working out, right? if I'm doing upper body workout, I don't want to do that every day, obviously. That would be silly. So I'm trying to do, you know, lift weights twice a week, which means for a month I need to do it eight times. So I tried to track and do it eight times. But that was, again, difficult to manage because you have to make sure you track it every day. If you ever miss tracking it in a given day, you completely screw up the whole thing. And it's really hard to see if you made a mistake. Like when I was doing the daily habits, I could see, oh, all of these were not checked for this day. This day I clearly just forgot to do it, right? But if you're right. doing it for the gross thing, well, this one has 12. Was it actually 12 or did I forget one day and it's actually 13? Well, that's really hard to go back and actually check to see if your data is accurate at all. Um, and, and, and so this, this struggle was something that I struggled with for a long, long time. And I gradually changed and tried different things and all of this. And eventually what I stumbled upon was an app called Toggle that allows time tracking and it's designed to let freelancers track their time for a given client maybe I'm a lawyer and this guy hires me to do his case and I spend you know five hours this week six hours next week it allows you to track your time and assign your time to certain tasks right right or certain projects and so then you can bill your client and say this is when I spent this much time this is how much time I have spent on each thing that's what it's designed for but I decided I should use this to track all of my time so that I can see exactly how do I spend my time in any given day, in any okay. given week, in any given month. What What's the goal? Why, what, what are you trying to learn about yourself? The more you have to force yourself to do something, the more difficult it is. So you want to make things automatic and easy. So that means you should try to change the structures in your life so that things become automatic. For instance, mm-hmm. I came here to China, and one of the reasons why I decided to take this teaching job is I teach in many different places, and it requires me to walk every day to work. I want to walk at least an hour a day, and this job requires me to walk at least an hour a day to get to all the different places that I need to go to. That is built into my life. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to try to do it, right? So I changed the structure of my life to get myself to do something. So the idea is, if you get this feedback about how you're spending your time each day, you can see, well, these are the things that I don't like, that I want to change. These are the things that I want to do more. And then you can change things in your life and see if it has an effect. See how you change. See what happens. Um, it okay. also makes you very aware of how you're spending your time because I have a timer running at all times. So I know if I'm sitting here watching YouTube, I have a timer running saying I'm sitting here watching YouTube. And so it kind of sits there in the back of your head a little bit to say, is this really what you should be doing? Or should is there something else on your list of things to be doing that you should be doing? And it allows you okay. to decide, oh, I want to relax and have time. So you can kind of say, this month I have spent no time watching movies. And I want to you know, spend some time relaxing and enjoying myself so I can put in this time to watch movies and feel really good about it. So that you don't always have to feel, oh, 
I'm wasting my time. There's something better I should do. Because you can look at it and say, I've been really productive this week. I've really spent a lot of my time on the things that I want to be spending my time on. So I know that I've been doing really well. I can take a little bit of time off. And that's fine, right? All right. Very cool. What about you? Like, do you do anything to manage productivity or to help you do anything? So, like I mentioned before, I, I like writing. I wouldn't call yeah. myself a writer. Yeah. But, and and I'm, I'm a very lazy guy. You know this. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm lazy. Like, yeah. yeah. So, motivation is not your uh, strong suit. It is not. It is not. So, in instances when I want to do something that isn't like instant gratification for me, like a movie or video games or just laying down and doing absolutely nothing uh-huh. i typically force myself to make the time i'll find like an hour to do the thing that i want to do because i feel like it'll help me improve my writing or it'll help me learn something new if i force myself to read a book for an hour or do the writing for an hour or study for an hour so i mean my method is not nearly as intricate and well thought out and strong as yours but i basically just Find the time, do things I feel are valuable to me. Yeah. you, John, do a lot of stuff. You do a lot of reading. I'm sure it's it's hard for you to, to get specific things out of the things you want because you, you have such a broad interest, you know? Yeah. But it, well, for someone like myself, it's pretty pretty specific, you know? If, if I want to learn about something, it'll be, like, a very particular thing. Like, uh, you know, if I have caught an interest in, like philosophy i'm not going to read a book about the general western philosophy the history of it and all that i'll just find a philosopher i think is interesting and read about him or her well yeah and it's all based upon your goals but but the right i mean the idea is though like even for you like there are things that you do every day right yes i will wake up every day right well but what i'm saying is like okay let's say you read books right I, so you're reading a book over the course of a year if you say i want to read an hour every day. Well, how do you right. know if you've done that? Because th- this all really ties into goals, right? And no, goal I, setting. I understand, yes. I because, mean, I know where you're coming from. Because w- when I first started this, I didn't really have any goals. I just wanted to get better, right? That was, that was the whole idea. I, I just wanted to start improving. I want to go, I want to start moving the right direction. And as everybody okay. always says, moving the right direction, the way you start is you just start, right? Which is good. And I did that. All right. But that only takes you so far. And so, you know, a few months after I did, I started moving in the right direction, I tried to sit down and make a five-year plan, right? And obviously, the way I always okay. approach things is I do too much, right? I, I do it in too big of a way. I make it impossible to do, which is not ideal. It's not. Sounds right. Yeah, and, and I, I recognize that that's not ideal. But that's just, that's generally my go-to. That's how I function, I guess. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what I realized, and the reason why I started trying to get feedback was when I set a goal... I need some way to assess whether or not I've reached it. And there are only two ways to think about goals. One way is process, and one way is outcome. Right. But if you believe, as I do, that outcomes are derived from consistent application of a process, then what you need to be judging is how closely are you attuned to the process that you want to be attuned to, that you want to be following, and how effective is that process. Those are the, those are the two questions. Okay. So, like, you can tell yourself, like, to to take your writing example. Oh, I'm not writing very well. Mm-hmm. If you say, oh, I want to be a better writer, I want to practice writing, and you say, oh, well, I'm not getting very 
good at writing. Well, how do you decide why you're not getting good at writing? Is it because what you're doing is not very effective? Or is it because you're not doing what you plan to do? Like in one specific instance, you can say, oh, well, I made time to write or I made time to read. But how do you know after three months how much time you spent writing over those three months? So do you think the time put in is just as valuable as maybe what you get out of something you're doing? For example, sticking with the writing example. Yeah. Say you spend, I don't know, half an hour writing and you get out like 1,500 words. Okay. In another day, you could spend an hour and a half writing and you get 500 words. Is it the time you put in or is it the quantity that you get from the time you are putting in? This is a very difficult discussion in terms of talking about goals, right? Like what, how, right. Do you, how do you base, how, how do you structure your goals? Because as you said, there are, there are several ways that you can measure it, right? You can measure it, how much time did I spend? You can measure how focused was I during that time? You can measure how regularly right. did I do it? Did I spend 10 minutes every day or did I spend one day but I spent like an hour? Or you could try to measure the outcome and like the quality of the outcome or the quantity of the outcome. Right. And, and so it depends on what you believe. And, and this is one of the keys that I believe very much in process. So, for instance, talking about writing, I think if you write every day and you mm -hmm. write for an hour every day and you're really focused in on writing and you're actually writing, that mm -hmm. you will get considerably better after a year. I believe that. Right. And you can question that, but if you start with that assumption, how do you test if that assumption is true? Well, the only way that you can test it is if you actually write every day. But if you That's don't true. track whether or not you write every day, how can you know whether or not you followed it? There's no way to check it, right? So for some of the long-term things that I did, like in terms of studying Spanish, if I cannot actually tell you how much I studied Spanish, because let me tell you, like it's highly unlikely that somebody will start from doing nothing to doing it every day and doing it all the time. Flipping a switch like that does not happen. Very true. So if you want to follow a long-term goal, like you with your sit-ups and push-ups or me with my Spanish, well, if you want to follow that consistently, you have to track how good am I at actually doing what I think I'm going to do and how effective are those results. Like if you do these push-ups every day and you do 50 push-ups a day for six months and you see no change, well, that tells you push-ups are not going to do what you need to get done, right? Right. And with me, with Spanish, if I study Spanish for 30 minutes every day and I see that I actually do this every day and I'm not getting any better, well, that tells me I need to change how I'm studying. I need to change how I'm learning. I need to change the process in some way. Right. But until you can tell, you can't, you can't check. That's true. With the exercising, for example, the, the one thing that helps me like, yeah. to keep on doing it mm -hmm. is to just do a little more the next day. You know, because I, I don't know if I told you, but I started with, like, 10 push-ups a day. Yeah. Like, yeah. barely. And now I can do 40 push-ups a day pretty easily. Mm. Pretty easily. Like, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't impress anyone. Like, no one's going to see me, like, flawlessly, like, pump them out. Like, you know, like I'm going for a brisk walk or something. But Sure. But I can do them. I can do them, and I'm not, like, crying afterwards. Okay. But But the thing is, like, you know... The first day I did 10, and, like, almost immediately, like, the next day I, I did 20. Right. And the day after I did, like, 25. And it was mm -hmm. just, like, forcing yourself to do a little more than you can, I feel, is a pretty positive step in, in creating the habit because it shows that you can improve. I don't know. I find it very helpful. Yeah, but on the long term, you can't do that, right? You can't say, like, every day I'll do five more push-ups for the next year. Well, right, that's why I've slowed it down, because that's just... I mean, I'm sure it's not impossible, 
but eventually it's just i'm just gonna be wearing my body out doing 150 push-ups next year you know like that's not gonna help me right and this is why this is why in terms of affecting long-term change upon yourself the way that you have to do it is you have to do it by establishing a process that you believe in thinking about it a lot figuring out how you think you can cause the changes you want to cause and then trying to consistently and doggedly pursue those changes Mm -hmm. but you have to go through this process and assess whether or not you're doing it assess how you're doing it assess how effective you are at doing it and and all of these different metrics that you're talking about like in terms of exercise the more things you can track around it the better you can assess whether or not you're doing it well right for instance like if you're running Mm -hmm. i think running is the classic and best example to take with this you can measure how many days did i do it did I do it seven days this week or did I do it three days this week? You can measure how long did I do it. You can measure what was my heart rate during it. You can measure... You can time yourself. Exactly. The duration. I mean, you can measure the distance. There are, there are lots of different aspects that you can measure. And you can decide that your goals will be based upon any of those. But the thing is, if you're not tracking that information, then whatever your goal is, you don't really know if you've achieved it. Because if you're just basing your goal on outcome, you can't, you can't track... For a long-term outcome, you can't track that, right? You can't say, you can't really tell, like, for instance, for my Spanish, like, I can't tell after one month, well, is what I'm doing really going to make me fluent in a year? There's no way I could possibly really tell that after a month. Right. But what I can track is, do I know more words? Do I know more grammar? Is my pronunciation getting better? Am I retaining things better? Am I understanding more about what I'm checking, about what I'm reading, about, you know, all of these sorts of things? And so you have to have a process in place and you have to follow that structure to build the consistency to achieve these long-term objectives. Right. And so what goals are you trying to reach? That's a a whole big can of worms. Yeah. I know. uh, I know. Okay. So let's not list every one of them. Right. But since you've been doing the time tracking, what have you been hoping to improve that you have noticed improvement in in the last three or four months or two or three months or however many months you started. So, yeah, I started this. right at the beginning of April, right? So it's been a couple mm-hmm. months. And the, the way to think about it at first is to think mm-hmm. about it as kind of assessing yourself, right? So I have not in the last two months uh, that I've been doing this been really focused on changing anything particularly. I'm, okay. I'm, trying, I'm trying to understand how I am spending my time, how much time certain things take. Because I know where my life is with certain things. Like, I know that I generally create 30 new flashcards for Spanish every day, and I study my flashcards every day for Spanish. But understanding how much of my time every week does that take is what I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so let's take a step back, right? So I have this five-year plan that goes from 2015 to 2020. And within the five-year plan, there are five one-year plans, which I make at the beginning of each year. And then within a one-year plan, I have quarterly plans, which are 13 weeks that I do at the beginning of each quarter. And then okay. at the end of each week, I make a schedule for the next week and check that, make sure that that schedule for the week matches what my objectives are for the quarter, right? Mm-hmm. So when I started this quarter in April, one of my things was time tracking. I wanted to track my time and figure out how I'm spending my time. Am I spending my time effectively the way I want to be spending it? It doesn't doesn't match what I kind of expected my time to be. Uh That was the goal. So for this whole quarter, for April, May, and June, all I'm trying to do is figure out how I'm spending my time. And then for the next quarter, I want to actually try to affect change 
and set goals to reduce the things that I don't want to be spending as much time on and to assess the value of certain things, right? Because so what you talked about was writing, right? When, when I first started reading, when you first tried to write, well, writing is a useful tool, a useful process. But if you find that you're, it's eating up 40 hours a week and you're getting very little back from it, well, you can say, I'm spending a lot of time and energy and I'm not getting very much back. So maybe I'm not doing, maybe I'm not writing efficiently. Maybe I'm, you know, wasting my time when I'm doing it. Maybe I'm not focused. Maybe I'm distracted by a lot of things. But you can look at that and you can say, I'm not being very effective with my time usage on this because I'm not getting very much back. So maybe it's something you should eliminate. Maybe it's something you can change your, how you're doing it. But you want to know this is, I'm not getting the return on the investment from this, right? Right. So for instance, with Spanish, I have found that I'm actually spending more time on Spanish than I thought I was. I thought I was spending about 30 minutes a day making cards and 30 minutes a day studying cards. Uh huh. And then I was spending a couple hours a week reading and a couple hours a week uh, watching TV and, and trying to have conversations with good people like you, right? Which I tend to fail right. having ag- setting up the conversations because scheduling is like impossible. But yeah, it's, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's real rough yeah. actually scheduling conversations with people to practice. Or like fifteen hours apart, or seventeen hours apart, or something. It's yeah, something like that. The time, yeah, the time. It's hard to get on the same page. Time yeah. zones, time zones are the bane of my existence. Let me tell you. Okay, so so what insight have you gotten from your time tracking so far? So one of the things is that I'm spending roughly twice the amount of time on Spanish than I thought I was. So I thought I was spending mm-hmm. about an hour a day. I'm spending about an hour. 40 minutes a day. Okay. So that doesn't necessarily tell me that it's not a good use of my time, but it tells me that it takes more time than I thought it was taking. Right. One of the other fascinating insights that I found is that, so I have a job here. I actually, my actual working hours are relatively few, but I have a lot of transportation time, as we talked about before, because it takes me a long time to get to different places and I have to go to teach students at their homes or at their businesses. They're all over the city, right? So I have a lot of time in transit. This has told me exactly how much time I actually spend in transit. And I spend more time in transit than I spend actually teaching, which has been an interesting insight. And it's provided me an understanding of the breakdown of how much time I spend doing each of these things, which has been very interesting. On top of that, I've been trying to go to bed at midnight and wake up at 8 a.m. every day. And it's told me exactly how much time I've spent sleeping in every day. Well, that's an interesting thing. Because, you know, I thought, okay, maybe I spend 30, 45 minutes a day sleeping in. I want to get up at 8, but I get up at 8.30, you know? But I found out that it's a bit more than that. It's closer to uh, an hour and a half a day, on average, that I I stay in bed. Which, you know... That sounds... That sounds like you. Yeah, it does. I'm not not exactly what you call a morning person. But but that's... You know, that tells me... Well, I'm not being very successful. This whole concept of time is just completely skewed. It's like crazy. Exactly. If you tell John to show up somewhere at four, he will be there at six. (laughs) You know, I've gotten much better at that. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm still pretty bad, but I'm I'm much better. Because don't I don't even I don't even want to think about Korea. Just just keep talking. Yeah. Well, right. So the point with this is that for every person. The amount of time that they think they spend on something is probably quite different from the amount of time they actually spend on it. For instance, I would guess that for... I spend almost no time on Facebook. 
And I think you're the same with that. But I would guess that for most people we know, the amount of time they spend on Facebook is probably two or three times greater than what they actually think it is. So they might know, oh, I waste time on Facebook, but they don't know how much. They don't know the extent to how much time they spend on Facebook. For instance, I would guess that some people that are at university or some people that work would look at it, and if they were actually tracking their time usage, they would find that they spend more time on Facebook than they spend at work, which when you start to think about what you care about, what you're trying to achieve, that gives you a better scale to understand how much time am I wasting. Right. Which is extremely valuable because that that it's, gives you more motivation to change. Right. I mean, it would be crazy if somebody assumed they were spending three hours a week or ten hours a week. I don't know how many hours a week somebody expects that they're on like social media. Mm. To find out that they were they were spending like forty, which doesn't seem possible, but I'm sure people do it. I guarantee you, people do it because because people just aren't aware at how much time they spend because you don't think right. about it. You get into a habit. Right. And, and so, for instance, my parents back home, back before they started their epic traveling retirement, they most nights would come in and they would spend pretty much the whole night from seven o'clock to 11 watching TV. Well, when you think about it, that's, you know, what, 20 hours, 25 hours a week, Monday through Friday that they are spending watching TV. Well, when you think about that and you say, well, I spend maybe 10 hours a week studying Spanish and after a year, I can speak Spanish pretty well. Right. And you look at that and you say, well, they spend 25 hours a week. So they spend two and a half times more what I spend studying Spanish, watching TV. And you, then you say, wow, if they stop doing that, they could learn three languages in a year kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like when, when right. you start to actually get numbers and you start to look at these things and see the amount of time people spend on certain things, you start to understand what choices you're making. And I think it's the same thing as mm -hmm. when people talk about their finances. Like somebody looks at a beer at a bar and they say, well, that's not that much. That's like six bucks. But when you start to look at it in aggregate and you say, well, how much money do you spend on beer in a year? Oh, well, you spent $9,000 on beer this year. And you start to think about that and you say, well, if I stop drinking beer, I could go on a pretty nice vacation for two months, <laughs> three months. You know what I mean? Like right. I, could, I could not work all summer if I stopped drinking beer. Well, you know, that, that starts to give you a bit of a perspective on what choices you're actually making and, and the power of the choices that you're making. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I getcha. So is this is this what you've gathered from your time tracking? Is it's Yeah, it's, it's perspective. Are and can be doing. I think it's pretty neat. And I'm not Definitely. saying that every person should be tracking twenty four hours a day. Like Obviously. you know, some people just just tracking how much you spend on one specific thing. Like saying but think about what a fun experiment it could be if everyone did that for just say a week, one week, 24 hours a day. Yeah. Tracking what you do. I think it would be fascinating for a lot of people. Yes. It would be so epic. It would be difficult to do for just one week because you really do need to establish the habit of making sure that you're always changing the timer. The nice thing about how Toggle works is that you can start a timer and then the last timer automatically stops when you start the next timer. So you never have to have a break in time. As soon as you change to do something else, you just start a new timer. But one of the problems is if people forget to do that and then they just don't track something for half a day, it throws the whole thing off, right? So you really do have to build the habit. But no, it would be fascinating for anybody, I think, to take a month right. and just say, well, let me see how I spend all my time this month. For instance, I had the feeling that I never socialize here in China, or very rarely, and that I never really spend right. that much time talking with people back home or talking to anybody, really. And mm -hmm. I found that actually that's one of the largest things that I do. I spend a lot of time talking to people. 
a lot more than I thought because I just have these kind of like I have these conversations with my roommate when I get home from work at like 10 and we talk for like an hour you know and I don't really think about how long that is and how much time that takes or you know talking to Rebecca you know on the phone or something like that talking to you like right. these things add up and that that's the thing that I think people need to get a better perspective on in their lives that right. the time you spend on something really adds up and almost no one has a good perception of how they spend their time over the course of a year I don't know if you ever realized this but when you were still living here and we'd spend, I don't know, a couple days out of the week hanging out, yeah, we would talk for literally like six or seven hours. Yeah, I I remember this, yes. Like, and it didn't occur to me how much time I was wasting just like hanging out with you. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a waste. It, I mean, I don't mean to say that it was like a waste of time socializing. I just mean like there was times where I could have been spending that studying or working on an essay or something that I wasn't yeah. doing. And I mean, I got those things done. But still, it was just like, in hindsight, like thinking about it, we spent a crazy amount of time just having conversations. Yes, we did. And, and this, is, this, is the, this is the key, right? That so many people feel as though they're extraordinarily busy. They don't have time to do anything they want to do. Well, you have the same amount of time as everybody else. If you don't feel like you have any time, then you have to actually break it down and look at how you spend your time and if those are the things that you want to be spending your time doing. And when you look at it and you say, oh, I've been hanging out with this guy for 20 hours a week for the last year. Well, that's a whole lot of time. Do I, do I need to manage that a little bit? Do I need to take that down to 14? You know, <laughs> like, like how, how should I change this? And you can't ask those questions yeah. until you know the information. Right, right. So. Yeah. Okay. This is interesting. I honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was a little uh, skeptical about talking about this with mm. you. Yeah. I was all like, "Why is this interesting? What's the value?" Right. But but having that sort of um, knowledge, it could be really beneficial. Yeah. I mean, getting self knowledge is always a good thing. Knowing yourself better, knowing what you do, knowing how you react to different situations, is always a good thing. And this yes, just gives you a different kind. You know, a different kind. It is certainly valuable. I want to talk more about goals and planning in the future. Like that is, I think that's really important yes. too. But yeah, I also think that we should talk about this again for your next quarter. Okay. When yeah. you start actually using this information to start changing things, I am curious. I'm sure other people will be curious about what changes you're making and what you've noticed is not as beneficial as you thought it may be. Or what's yeah. more beneficial than you thought. I know I've said this like a hundred times already, but it's pretty neat. It is pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. I will <laughs> check back in with that when I start act actively trying to change what I'm doing. Because, because yeah, that's that's the whole point, right? Like, we've, we've started this podcast in this quarter two. And in order to do this, I've had to make time by eliminating some other things. And so once I have this better idea of exactly how I spend all of my time, after the quarter, you know, I will, I will definitely be making probably some pretty substantial changes. And so I'll, I'll be happy to share the plans. This is going to be super neat for the hundred and like third time. Also, just because I am still thinking about it and I want to bring it up. Sure. All right. Because everybody needs to know how terrible you are about being on time. <laughs> so, yeah. When John was living in Korea, me and our friend Carlos went to go visit him. Good guys. Yes. So we arrived in the city of Busan, which is right near the beach. It's like right on the coast. It's like southeast on the other end of the country. It's as close as you can get to Japan. Right. As close as you can get to Japan. Exactly. And Seoul 
is about four or five hours away. Yeah, the northwest. As close as you can get to North Korea, pretty much. Exactly. It, it's on the other side of the country, yeah. essentially. Opposite points. So we agreed to meet in Seoul. That is what we agreed upon. Everyone was in agreement. We were going to be there, meet, I think at like three o'clock. John didn't get there until 5.30. He left us in a country where we don't know anything, can't read anything, and don't speak the language to figure out how to get to the hostel that we were supposed to meet at on our own. In the middle of frigid January. Yes. We weren't supposed to meet at the hostel, actually. We were supposed to meet at the bus station. Were we? Yes. Really? Yes, we were. Okay. Yes. And then you're like, oh, I'm running late. I missed the bus. The other bus doesn't come for like another 45 minutes. And he lived <laughs> like two hours away from Seoul, I want to say. Maybe. No, 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 maybe no. It was... It's about five hours. It's about the same distance. So, he, okay. So he lived equally far. Yeah. And he ended up being there like three hours late. It was ridiculous. He needed this in his life. This time tracking thing, ladies and gentlemen, you don't understand. This is super valuable to him. It is. It is. I hope it makes him more punctual. I, Jesus. So to be fair, I was, if I recall correctly, I was leaving work to meet you guys. It's not like I was just oh on vacation in the middle of just doing anything, just hanging out. Like, I had to leave work to get to you guys, and leaving work and getting down to the bus station and getting a bus ticket, like, all of that takes time, and I had to pack up my bag and get, like, granted, I didn't manage my time particularly well at that point, but... You could have bought your ticket the day before and been packed. True. That's the thing. See? True. It's ridiculous. This is who he is. We were in but band I had done together this. I had done for many this years. <laughs> I had done this before, though. I had gotten buses other places. Like, the, the issue was not that I missed the bus. The issue was that the bus was full. And I had gone other places, and the buses were not generally full when I would arrive 20 minutes before a bus. This one happened to be full, so I had to wait longer, which, yeah, it, it, it screwed things up a little bit. Go ahead. Talk about band if you want. Feel free. Okay. Just because I really need to drive this point. <laughs> So, we were in a city band together, and John was perpetually late. It was it was not a problem, per se, because he would get there just in the nick of time. Just in time, not to miss the bus taking us to wherever we were going. But there was one time, I think this is when you were a drum major? Uh-huh. Where he missed the bus. Yeah, it's true. For those of you who don't know, the drum major is the person in front leading the band. This is a marching band, yeah. We did not have our leader there. <laughs> I don't I don't really have anything else to follow up on this. It's just it's wild to me. And so But that happened one time in the six years that I was in this group, right? And that's and what it happened zero times with the rest of us. I'm just saying, and <laughs> right. none of us were drum major. Yeah, yeah, it, that was not ideal. That was less than ideal. I'll, I'll admit that yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing. Just time tracking. I'm sure it's going to improve this terrible habitual lateness. Yeah. No, I've my my I've been emphasizing punctuality a great deal over the last year, and I've gotten dramatically better at it. So I still suck, but I am now within the realm of what is acceptable. Whereas before, during those wonderful teenage years, I was uh, less than uh, acceptable. Teenage years? This was well into your adulthood. We're talking about a year ago. No, okay. In Korea, but not a ba the band thing. Yeah, well, the band thing was. Yeah. And, I mean, the band thing was inexcusable, right? Because I could drive from my house 10 minutes and get to where we were going. The Korea right. thing, you know, it's it's more complicated getting transportation from one city to another city after you get off work. 
and with bags and all this. Granted, I screwed it up, but you know. I mean, you had weeks in advance to prepare. Just that's just just throwing that out there. Seems to be a lack of gratitude here, Mike. Showed you all around this country. Showed you all the cool spots. Introduced you to all these people. I still talk to Rebecca. Yeah, exactly. I don't even remember the other people's names. I'll be honest with you. You met her sister. Her sister was cool, right? Oh yeah, she was cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just saying, showed right. you a lot of cool stuff. No gratitude. True. You know, it was fun. Yeah, it was. Dental insurance is garbage for an adult, <laughs> and you need to buy dental insurance. Mm-hmm. It's just it doesn't cover anything. And it's not very expensive. So I can at least understand why it's not very effective. Okay. But even the things it does cover, it -hmm. takes like 6 to 12 months before you can actually use the insurance you paid for. I mean, at the very least with health insurance, you can use it immediately as soon as you get it, right? Like, boom, day of. Sure. Make an appointment, you're good to go. Which is upsetting because that's a long time to be waiting for something that you might need in three months. Or two months. Or tomorrow. Yes, or tomorrow. But why, w- why would you need it tomorrow, Mike? And generally, I would assume that people who are in such terrible shape that mm-hmm. they need to purchase dental insurance to take care of something immediately yeah. probably have a lot of other problems they're going to have to take care of over the year. So probably. it's not like they are just going to purchase it, get what they need from it, and then cancel it. But isn't that exactly what they'll do? It just... It doesn't seem like a good idea because if you're in such a terrible situation that you have to have this one particular thing fixed, you probably have a litany of problems. But logically, if you can sign up, then the next day you can get your thing done and then you can stop. No, I completely understand why they would do that. I just think it's garbage that they do. Sure, I can understand that. And dental procedures are very expensive. True. And dental insurance only covers up to $3,500 worth of procedures. Mm -hmm. And it covers like 50% maybe for like really expensive things. But Mike, like these are expensive things. This is the whole, this is the whole issue, right? I know. When you get, when you buy a house, it's expensive. Like if you have to put in a pool, it's expensive. Like you can't just say, oh, it's terrible that it's expensive. But a pool is a luxury. So is dental care. I feel like that's not a luxury. I feel like dental care is vital to your health. So, okay, how do you distinguish between luxury and not luxury? Where do you divide the definition? Like, how do you divide the definition? So, using the pool example, nobody needs a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. Nobody would suffer without a swimming pool. Okay. Nobody needs dental insurance or dental care. Well, I don't agree with that. But people like there's things you can't help, like your wisdom teeth. Well, when you say... If they grow in and they're terrible and painful, is that your fault? Is that, like, something that you went out of your way to do, like... Have your wisdom teeth come out of your gum so you can suffer? Let's delve one like, layer. That's, I, feel, I feel like that's something that someone would need to have remedied. Okay, so let's delve one le- level right. deeper. Right. Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's take it back for a second. Do you think it's a luxury to have a place where you can do that and then not charge you an arm and a leg for it? Like, you, you said... I don't think it's... Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said that a pool is a luxury because no one needs a pool, right? Mm-hmm. And then you said, well, people need dental care. Mm-hmm. How do you define need? Because to me, right. if you're going to so, die, that's a need. If you're not going to die, it's not a need. Okay, so you know how people argue about Planned Parenthood? I do, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And one of the like arguments they use you know, in pro of Planned Parenthood yeah. is that it allows people with low income mm-hmm. 
to go in and get things they need, preventative things. Sure. So that they don't end up like reduces expenses and pregnant, right? Yeah. Or they know how to prevent getting an STD. You know, they get sure. condoms, birth control. Yes. Those are like preventative measures, right? Yes. That can prevent bad or unexpected things from happening. Yes, reduce expenses in the long run. Right. Now, having a dentist could potentially do the same thing for someone who doesn't know how to take care of their teeth. And I'm not talking about as adults. I mean, dental care as like a child or a teenager. Right. I'm sure just having someone to keep you informed about how to take care of your teeth avoids these issues. But this... Right? That could become seriously like painful uh-huh. or... I'm sure life threat. I mean, I don't know if there's any like theoretically dental diseases like that are life threatening. You could get and, cancer, right? And I was reading that like bacteria in your gums could go to your heart and create like heart disease or supposedly lead to yeah. strokes, right? So, but this is but Mike, but the the, the but, core. Hold on, but, hold on, hold on. The core of your argument is that this helps people and maybe reduces expenses over the long run. So it's something that should be cheap. Right? No, my argument isn't that it should be cheap. Okay, what's your argument? It should just be immediate. Well, it is immediate. If you want to pay for it, you can get it today. Right, but I couldn't use it No, I'm not talking about insurance. Today. You can just pay for the procedure. Right, but it's ridiculously expensive. Unnecessarily well, expensive. That's that's what it costs. But should it? Does it have to? Well, that's a whole different question, right? Because your your argument is really that insurance is bad, but insurance is a tool to try to minimize risk over the long term, right? Or minimize expense over the long term. But when you're talking about the direct price of the procedure, well, you can argue about whether or not the price of the procedure is too expensive. But all of the arguments about medical stuff, about how medical procedures are wildly different prices in different places, doesn't really or shouldn't really apply to dentists because with dentists, most of the time, care is not immediate, right? Like you don't have to, you're not in the ER of the dentist, right? Where you get taken in and you're going to die if they don't fix you, right? Because if you're in the ER in a hospital, there's no competition, right? You're not going to be like, oh, this place is too expensive for this heart surgery. I'm going to go to the next hospital. But, but dentistry, you can do that. You can say, oh, this dentist is really expensive. I'm not going to schedule my procedure for next week with him. I'm going to go to this other one, right? I mean, it's possible. So there I'm is sure. theoretically competition within dentistry. And so it is what it is. Like, it costs what it costs. And Right. No, I mean... I understand that. Would you prefer that? I don't like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel I the mean, same. That's the point. I I think cars well, are overly I expensive mean, as well. My issue was that if I wanted to get like a dental insurance provider, yeah. I was someone I was going to like have for the long run. Mm, sure. Right? Yeah. So I was looking for something that was worth paying for every month. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't find that. I didn't find anything that I thought was was worth committing to or keeping for a long time. I mean, this is one of the big reasons that I just don't like insurance as a rule. Like, I think insurance is a bad ploy to screw people over, essentially. Oh, no, it's a racket. Definitely but, a racket. Because cause if, if, we, if we go back in time, right, and we look at, well, why exactly is everything based around insurance? Like, where what is insurance? Why does insurance exist? It's like we just said, right, that insurance is designed to reduce risk of a terrible thing that is not very likely to happen right so when you look at life insurance well people pay for life insurance when they're 40 
Because if they die, their young children will be left destitute. And so, you know, it's not very likely that they'll die, but they want to make sure that it doesn't happen. That, like, their kids are not, you know, on the street if that happens, right? Right. Sure. Same with, like, flood insurance. Same with any kind of insurance. Like, it's not very likely in any given day that your house will get flooded. But if it gets flooded in five years, you want to make sure that when it does, you don't lose the most valuable asset that you own. But for something like medicine and dental insurance, why would insurance ever be a thing that happens? Well, when, if you look back, it's because back tied in with the New Deal, the New Deal created all of these incentives for companies to provide extra benefits to their employees, right? Like it created all these tax benefits. So things mm -hmm. like medical insurance and things like dental insurance suddenly became things that companies could give to their employees. And one, it would not be taxed as profit because it's an expense. So it would reduce the company's taxes, but it would also not be taxed as income for the employees. So it would not increase the employee's tax. So you can increase essentially the pay of the employee without increasing the taxes. So you get more bang for your buck, as it were, as a company, right? And so all the big companies in the country started offering things like this to try to get the best employees, you know, after World War II, mm -hmm. um, when there was a lot of, you know, competition to get good employees. And this became built into the system that everyone always gets insurance. But just like with anything else in life, if you kind of need something, you should probably just pay for it. And this is the thing that I find most frustrating about dental stuff, that pretty much anything with dental, like it might be unexpected immediately, right? Like you didn't expect your whole tooth thing to happen this week. Or at all. Well, but it's likely that you're going to have to get some sort of dental care in the next two years or in the next five years. Right. Right. Like that, you're going to have to have something. It's not like you're never going to need a dentist for your entire right. life. You know what I mean? Right. Just like with your car, you might not know, oh, my car is going to have a flat tire. I need to get new tires. But you know eventually you're going to have to get new tires. Eventually you're going to have to get a new car. So you save up money because you're planning on eventually you're going to have to do this. Because it's a thing that everyone has to do. Not everyone's house gets flooded. Most people never have their house flooded. But everyone has to get a new car. Like, no one has car insurance that says, oh, if I get a flat tire, I get new tires. That'd be some sweet car insurance. <laughs> but, like, that's not a catastrophic thing. That's a thing that everyone has to deal with. So it doesn't make any sense right. to get insurance because you just have to pay for it when it happens. But you do get it for, you know, oh, I killed somebody because they walked out in the middle of the street. Or I destroyed this person's really expensive house because I was too tired. I fell asleep and my car went off the road. Right? Like, those sorts of things are the kind of highly unexpected catastrophic events that you need insurance for. But the fact that insurance covers, you know, going to the dentist twice a year, well, that's just silly. Like, that's something that you should pay for because you have to do it twice a year. Like, you know you're going to do it. Why, why is insurance involved in this? Like, there's no insurance for that. You're not insuring against a terrible event of, I have to go to the dentist twice a year. Like, that's just a thing you do. Right. So it, it's just it, the whole concept seems strange and it seems that it was trying to build things in to get companies to do things to help their employees and had all of these unexpected consequences that are now still carried over. John really hates the government. I, <laughs> I don't hate the government. I think the government does a lot of things that are problematic. So what he's saying is he would prefer if there was less or maybe even no government because he hates the government. <laughs> <laughs> certainly i think it would be less would be called for in certain situations like the, the reason why our healthcare system is so screwed up in the u.s right now is because we try to have it artificially go through companies which again comes out of the new deal in the same way and has all of these tax incentives to benefit large companies but it screws individual people and it messes up things for small companies 
that that has nothing to do with whether or not you should have publicly funded healthcare or privately funded healthcare. You can argue about whether or not the government should pay for this or private people should pay for it. But these artificial incentives that you create by doing things like this, it screws everything up. You are constantly screwing things up when you're meddling in markets or trying to incentivize behavior in a very convoluted way. This is the whole reason why tax exemptions are so silly. They're trying to stimulate certain behaviors or prevent certain behaviors, but they make it so complex that no one un understands what's actually going on and no one can actually tell whether or not they can save money. You don't really know because you can't check all 5,000 exemptions that are out there. That's yeah. what you have lawyers for, I think. Right, but this is the whole thing. Now you're wasting money on lawyers. Like that's just, that's just a loss. That's just wasted money. Just like insurance, right? All of the money that insurance companies make, that's just lost money. That doesn't benefit anybody. Yeah. Yeah, and just just in case, give us your money. Exactly. We, there, won't, there's... we won't give you any of it back, of course, because why would we? It's our money now. Thank you. Right, and this is one of the reasons why I think, especially for something like dental care, you should perhaps have a tax-exempt savings account where you can just save money. And you can say, instead of paying this company for insurance every month, I'll just put money into my little bank account that's tax-exempt every month, and I will save money. Then when I have an expense in five years... I'll have money saved for that. Because if I have to pay $200 a month or $100 a month for dental insurance, I can just keep that money. And I can choose any dentist I want, get any procedure I want. I'm not restricted by what this dental insurance company restricts me to. I can get whatever kind of procedure I think is going to work best, whatever my dentist thinks is best. It's just dramatically better. And yeah, so. Yeah. True. Very true. I just think if there is insurance, it, it could be better. Like if it's going to exist. But it if can't it's going be, to exist, right? Because you can't let somebody just sign up, get a procedure, and then jump off of it the next day. People are forced to sign contracts for things all the time. How terrible would it be if someone's all like, well, if you're going to sign up for our dental insurance or our health insurance, we're going to sign you to a one-year contract, so you have to have it for at least a year. Yeah, I mean, it, that works better for small amounts of money, right? Because... And dental insurance is relatively cheap. Yeah, I guess that's true. No, I... I Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's just one of those instances where if someone needs something and if they might need it immediately, yeah. what's the issue with coming to some sort of agreement or arrangement? Isn't that the whole point? I mean, they don't do that because they're trying to incentivize you to just keep it all the time, right? That's ridiculous. That's the whole idea behind structuring something like that. Well, my argument isn't people should just use it and get rid of it. Okay. But I think... If they do want to incentivize people to want to keep that insurance for a long period of time, make yeah. it better. Like if it's the most amazing possible insurance that someone can offer, people will be like, yeah, of course, why not? But I'm not sure they can. Like that's the whole thing. There's competition here. If they could make it better and still make money, they would probably make it better. But they can't. That would be my guess. It seems unlikely that one company is just saying, screw the customers. And every other company's like, yeah, that sounds good. We'll let this company stay big and profitable and say screw the customers because we also want to say screw the customers. Like they want more money, and if they can get more mo more customers, they can get more money. And so if they can offer something that's better for less. Although money, that definitely seems like the definition of insurance: screw the customers. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh. they do everything they can to not pay out. When the time comes to pay out, there's always like horror stories about like car insurance companies telling people it's their fault or, oh, that doesn't count based on some weird technicality or 
other nonsense because they just want the money. They don't want to actually use it. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just frustrated and irritated and my face hurt. Well, it doesn't hurt anymore, but it was hurting. And at the time I was very angry. I can understand that. Because the only other way I can describe the sensation is as if a bone inside of you shattered and then you can feel all the shards just jabbing into your flesh. Thanks for that. That sounds like fun. That's the only other way I can think of describing the pain that I was going through. Sounds horrible. It it was horrible. Just thinking about it hurts me emotionally. What were you going to say? The whole car insurance company screwing people over. That is precisely the reason that I don't like artificial structured systems like this that are overly complex and overly problematic and are mandated by the government. Everyone has to have car insurance. And you have to have car insurance because the government says you have to have car insurance. And car insurance is extremely complicated because they want to get you to pay as much as they can and make it seem like you get a lot, but then not give you anything. Because the way they make money is to get you to pay them a lot, but not give you anything. And so it's, it's a company that is predicated on getting more out of you than they give you, which is contrary to the fundamental premise of capitalism. And so the the only way that you can say that it makes sense is if the reduced risk to you, the reduced financial risk to you, is of more benefit than the amount of money you're losing. That's the only way that you can say that it makes sense. But the, the fact that they can make it more convoluted, they can make it more complex, they can make it more difficult for you to understand so that the average person simply just does not understand it. It does not have the time and energy to pursue it in an adequate manner. It ends up meaning that they make plenty of money and they screw over the customers because their incentives are poorly aligned to the customer's incentives. This just goes back to what you were saying about my view of government involvement in markets. Right, yeah. It, It tends to make them less ideal in many respects. And that's not to say that all regulation should be reduced or it should be eliminated. But, I mean insurance isn't regulation it's a mandate. right this is yeah exactly like this is something. this is fundamentally distinct from regulating a market because regulating a market right. to make sure that the market does not harm or abuse customers is different from than forcing mandating to purchase yes yeah yeah because i honestly think car insurance companies would fail so hard if tomorrow government was like you guys don't have to pay for car insurance anymore and obviously, Canceled for car insurance, heartbeat. that would be really difficult, right? Because you are driving a weapon, a large one-ton steel bomb around the city. It's more like plastic now than it is okay. steel. Okay, well, my, my car was a steel bomb. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Yours was a tank. Yeah. You had a, it's a, a beautiful, cancer. beautiful station wagon. Um, well, it wasn't beautiful. It was, it was gorgeous. I guess if you find, like, 80-year-old But, you know, gorgeous. it's dangerous. You are endangering other people's property. And so if you are allowing people to do this thing that is fundamentally dangerous, you do have to make sure that those people can pay the people that they could potentially damage, right? Because people constantly crash, and so they constantly damage other people's property. So, like, I understand why it would be mandated, but that part should be the only part that is mandated. People end up paying for a whole lot of other crap. Um, And so, yeah. But anyway, we've gone along today, Mike. Should we wrap it up? Sure. Yeah. I have nothing else to say other than bye. Okay. I'll see you next time. All right. Later.
you get too long-winded, dude. I'm telling you. I know. And this is one of the reasons why it would be beneficial to 